Welcome to the Midwest Medium Podcast. I'm your host, June Hessler. This podcast focuses on the positive side of the paranormal and the supernatural. So join me as we dive into what most would describe as the unseen and the unknown. Hello, I am June Hessler and you are listening to the Midwest Medium Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm calling this episode pre-season two bonus episode. Um, I wanted to release my interview with Dave Schrader when season two launches later this summer, but because everyone's been so supportive, sharing the podcast, listening to the podcast, helping spread the word about the podcast, I wanted to um, give a thank you. And I thought a great way to do that would be to release this episode early So this is the Dave Schrader episode. Um, You will probably notice, at least I noticed, that, oh, you guys, I was so nervous talking to Dave. And I don't know why. He's such a nice person. He was so kind and considerate. And when I asked him if he would be a guest on my podcast, he immediately said yes. So there was really no reason for me to be nervous, but I really, really was. So I'm hoping that doesn't show when you listen, Um, but it might. And that's a little background as to why I look up to Dave very much. So he is a very respected member of the paranormal community. Um, He's been on a bunch of television shows that you've probably seen on Discovery or Travel Channel. And um, I'm so excited that he agreed to be on the podcast. It really was an interview that I will always cherish. He was so, so nice. And I really hope that you'll enjoy the episode. You can listen wherever you download podcasts. Obviously you're listening right now, but I also have the video recording of our interview on my website. If you prefer to watch it, my website is www.junehessler.com. And I will make sure to put that in the show notes so you can listen, you can watch, please share please leave a review. The more reviews the podcast receives from listeners, the more it will help our podcast be visible to other people who haven't found it yet. So um, again, thank you so much for all of your support. Season two will come later this summer, but for now, please enjoy my interview with Mr. Dave Schrader. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Midwest Medium Podcast. I'm your host, June Hessler, and today we have special guest, Dave Schrader. Now, Dave is a Minnesota transplant, and I want to add he's a Vikings fan, and I think that's really important for everybody to know. He has been a longtime radio and podcast host about all things paranormal and the supernatural. Currently, his podcast, which I'm a big fan of, is called The Paranormal 60 and can be found wherever you download podcasts. You've probably seen him on travel channels, The Holzer Files, Ghosts of Devil's Perch, Ghost Adventures, Paranormal Challenge, Haunted Hospitals, and Paranormal State, just to name a few. He's a busy guy. And is as if that wasn't enough, he also travels the country and he emcees many paranormal events and does his own investigations throughout the United States and other countries. So Dave, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, June. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So you're a busy guy. How? I try to be. Yeah. Yeah. How do you balance it all? I know you have your lovely wife. You have many children, grandchildren. You're busy. So how do you find time to get out of town, go do these all these different paranormal investigations? I know you were just at a Joliet Prison in mm-hmm. Illinois recently. How do you find time for everything? I drive my family crazy, so they insist on me leaving. And that's how I oh. do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's a (laughs) win-win. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, it's a win-win. So I have to ask with all the programs you've been involved with, all Mm -hmm. your different uh, projects that you've been working on, do you have a favorite or is it kind of like me asking you to pick a favorite child? No, it's a lot easier for me to tell you which one is my favorite child than it is to tell you which project I like the most. Um, My podcast is always my favorite child that is. And then... uh, (laughs) and then just having the opportunity to be on all of these different things has been amazing and uh i i don't take it for granted so uh, you know everything has brought different perspectives you know the very first paranormal tv show i was invited on was paranormal state 
and then Ghost Adventures. I think I did seven or eight episodes, plus their two live Halloween specials. I did that Salem live Halloween special with um, just about every show from the Travel Channel. Right. And then Holzer Files, Paranormal Challenge, and Ghost to Devil's Perch. And as you said, Haunted Hospitals. I did Demon in the White House documentary. Oh, wow. And I did the Curse of Lizzie Borden documentary. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've, I've just been given a lot of opportunities to see amazing places and yeah. be given the opportunity to go in and investigate and try to make sense of what's been going on and why these places are haunted and, and who's haunting it. Right. Now, there's many places that you've been to several times. Now, do you find that when you, re I guess you would say repeat an investigation, although I'm sure it's different, do you come in contact with a lot of the same ghosts or spirits, or is there always something new and different that you weren't quite expecting when you when you go back several times? Yes, to all of the above. Uh, there are ghosts like Joliet State Prison. There's Eugene and Greg are two of the ghosts that uh, I bump into a lot in the hospital wing, Cadillac over in the, the West Wing. And I, you know, um, I, I seem to always kind of bump into those spirits, but then there are different spirits that make themselves known in different ways. Same with the Queen Mary, Stanley Hotel, Eastern State Penitentiary, um, Mansfield Reformatory, uh, the Palmer House Hotel here in Minnesota. So I, you know, yeah. I do bump into a lot of the same ghosts and uh, then there's always something new waiting for me. So I'm excited to see who's going to show their head this time. Do you think they've, do you think they recognize you or do you think they see you as a brand new person coming in to communicate or do they remember you? I think they think I'm Rick from Pawn Stars, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, I see the I resemblance. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough question because I don't know how they hear us or how they see us or if they see us or if they hear us. I'm not quite sure how any of that goes down. So it's it's hard for me to to declare. However, I've had spirits that I've kind of called upon again, show up and make themselves known to me. So I. Obviously, something connects with them and me with them because, you know, I I do get multiple interactions with a lot of these spirits. Yeah, they seem very responsive to you, which I think is so great because I think a lot of investigators, especially the amateurs who aren't as seasoned as you are, might not get such high activity that you seem to get. So I think that's really great. That means that they like you. I hope so. (laughs) I try to I try to be nice to all the spirits. I mean, I just, when I was in Joliet, I was kind of calling out the spirit of Richard Speck and I was doing that a little bit more disrespectfully than I normally would. And people are like, well, Dave, he was a murderer and a rapist. You don't have to be real respectful. Uh, But I also feel like you should respect the other side and, you know, weird situation as I'm calling him out at Joliet, uh, a woman that was investigating next to me was looking at her app and she held it up and you know, it was a, a ghost talker app and they're on it. It said Winifred. Oh, which is my wife's name. Your wife's now, name. It gets weirder because I got home Sunday night and she goes, I have to ask you something. Were you kind of goading one of the ghosts last night? And at first I didn't know what she's, I'm like, no, not that I can think of. She goes, cause it was around 10, 10 30 at night. And I was laying in bed and I heard this voice, male voice in my ear go, Hey, Oh, and then I was like, hold on, when was it? And I texted my friend. I said, do you have that screen cap? And it was at 10 2 PM the night before that her name came up on this device, 400 miles away. And at the same time, my wife is hearing the voice call out to her. So very wow. weird it makes you question a lot of things. And then I realized ah, I got to be a little bit more cautious with how I interact with spirits. So that actually leads into a question I was going to ask you later, but since we're talking about it, what do you do for protection? And now with this most recent experience involving your wife, 400 miles away, does she need to maybe start doing things when you're, when you're away on an investigation, does she need to start doing things to protect herself as well? Yeah. Well, you know, she's told me when I've been out filming TV series, sometimes things get a little wonky at home. Yeah. But I often wonder if that's because I'm not here to kind of keep things in balance, you know, so oh, they're, sure. they're, they're trying to make themselves known, but, um, you know, I do a lot of prayer. That's what I do. And I also wear, uh, I wear protective jewelry, different gemstones and things that are reported to have abilities and transmutation, 
properties so that it can take negative energy and kind of make it more positive, repel bad things, and then prayer. So those are kind of my mainstays and go-to. And before I'll go into my house after an investigation, I try to pray to clear myself. And, yeah, you know, at the end of the, like our big investigation, I said, is there anybody interested in me doing a quick clearing prayer? And I had a people, you know, people surrounded me and, and I just asked, you know, Lord, I just ask that uh, you pull back our energy, our heart, our soul, our mind, you clear us of any energy that is not ours and, yeah. you know, do that to try to make us whole again seal us surround us in white light and make sure that everybody goes back home safe and sound now have you ever brought anything home with you unintentionally again it's hard for me to say because i'm not a medium so it's not like i can turn around and go oh there's june's ghost i can see her yeah okay june you're supposed to be at waverly hills i will yeah. come home and sometimes have a spirit something weird happen but i can't define was it june from the palmer house or yeah, my neighbor who passed away next door, whose ghost sure. is sees me come back, you know, and you you being a medium, maybe you'd understand this more. I, I always liken it to um, when you're in a haunted location, you're in that energy. And mm -hmm. I'm there all weekend long, and I'm engaging the spirits and you kind of it's like hanging around with a smoker, even though you don't smoke, you kind of have that scent and that funk about you, right? And yeah, I can walk yeah, into yeah. the room. And people are like, did you smoke? No but that's still with me. So I wonder if part of that, part of those particulates, part of that energy is still a part of me so that spirits at the airport or at the gas station near my home or my neighbor's spirit can, can pick up on the fact that, Hey, you've been in it lately. Maybe you're more close to being able to hear me. It usually goes away pretty quickly, but I have no real way to define who it is, where it came from. Yeah. Well, maybe that's and I don't, I don't ghost hunt in my own home. So I also don't record and go, June, is that you? I don't, I, I just yeah. tell it, you're not welcome here. You need to leave. That's what I do. I don't do that. The only time I really open up at home is when I'm giving readings. I don't do right. ghost hunts and, and try to get EVPs mm -hmm. in my own home. Although I've heard plenty of things, but <laughs> sometimes I think, well, if I don't mess with it too much, then we're okay. <laughs> right. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Yeah, exactly. So one thing you've been really open about, um, and I know that a lot of paranormal shows get criticized for mm -hmm. maybe approaching things really aggressively or maybe making errors. And you've been really open about when you know better, you do better. So I wanted to ask you with your investigations over the years, how have you improved your techniques? How have you changed your methods knowing what you know now about investigating? Well, I've certainly become more about learning the history than I ever was before, or at least respecting the history more than I ever did. Uh, I, you know, I was like many people when 2005 rolled around and ghost hunters launched on TV and, you know, then later in 2007, you've got paranormal state and then ghost adventures on their heels and all of these shows rolling out. We were all so in awe of the equipment. And the technology. And I was, I was super psyched about using all the technology. But then I found that I'm going in all these amazing locations. And this is what I'm looking at is this little screen in front of me instead of the entire yeah. thing. And I've been in some of the most remarkable places and I have no memory of it because I only saw it through my screen on sure. my on my camera or whatever I was using. So I've I've learned to step away from that and allow myself to be more in the moment. Mm -hmm engaged with the spirits um i try to like when i go into a location i'll and shane and I, I think this is part of why we had such good success on holzer files would we'd go in and i'd go okay man just imagine this place when it was the open museum you know and it was these people coming and going and this going on and that going on and trying to get yourself in that mental mindset like paranormal archaeology you're you're digging through the layers of time to get to the moment that we're trying to strike a chord with to try to be harmonious with and then once i kind of feel like okay we're kind of there we're putting ourselves in that mental state hopefully we can now communicate with those spirits a little bit more easily i don't know i don't know what i'm doing but i'm doing what i can to try to help and i find that i get better results in in honing and setting that intention yeah, I think that's interesting that you said you've learned to step away from your devices, although they're very valuable. 
mm-hmm. um, and and really helpful in, in obviously capturing the evidence that you come across, but really allowing yourself to step away and kind of maybe even, I know you said you're not a medium, but I personally think you're sensitive from everything I've learned about you, but um, allowing yourself to really just take that in, feel what you feel, see what you see. I think that's really important. On the heels of that, I wanted to ask how important is skepticism during an investigation? I'm sure I know that debunking is obviously huge and Mm -hmm. is is a valuable way to ghost hunt. Mm -hmm. But do you find that um, maybe being more skeptical is valuable or is there some kind of balance that needs to happen there? Well, I, I call myself a skeptical believer. I've had experiences my whole life. Some I can dismiss, some I can't. Some I've tried every possible way to figure out what really happened and find a logical explanation, and I can't. So I know that the supernatural exists. I know there's a high level of high strangeness out there in the world around us. Mm -hmm. I can't always pigeonhole it. You know, we, okay, well, that's a ghost. We've got a ghost. That's what it is. That's fallen away, that facade for me of being able to put it specifically in one category or another, because I don't think that there is one catch-all category. We we call things ghosts, but there's 15 different varieties, right? There's dream visitations and poltergeist and phantoms and haints and wraiths and ghosts and and, uh, time slip phenomena and all these other things you have to take into account that could be behind what you're actually experiencing. So right now right? You exist. I exist in the same space on this computer, right? We're mm-hmm. in the exact same space, but you're 20 years ago. I'm right now. Both of us are very much alive. Both of us are very much in the moment, but it just so happens that this computer takes both of our transmissions and brings them together for even a brief moment. And you see me, I see you because look, how many ghosts see a person and run away? And then you look into the history and you're like, this place has always been haunted. The nurses at Waverly Hills would tell stories of seeing ghosts and things that unnerve them. And then I walk around the corner and there's a nurse ghost and she stops and looks at me in my ACDC t-shirt with all my equipment, you know, eyes flare up. She turns around and runs away. Maybe I'm not seeing a dead person, but we're sharing that same space. And in that moment, the transmission went through and she could see me. I could see her. She yeah. thinks I'm a ghost. I think she's a ghost. And technically she's, and maybe she's still very much alive. We don't know what happened to that nurse. Right. Yeah. And it could just be that it was just a moment for her in time where she saw what she believed to be a ghost. And it coincided with being in the right place at the right time for me to see through that veil as well. I've heard you talk about that idea before, and that yeah. to me is very mind blowing, I guess is one way to put it. I, I have a, I mean, oh, I have such a hard time wrapping around my mind around that concept, but you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Nobody really knows for sure. All we can do is investigate, be detectives, right. capture what we can get and, and share it with people because I think that's important mm-hmm. too. Um, what words of wisdom would you give to amateur paranormal investigators, probably I'm guessing words that you've shared with people that go with you on your ghost hunts. Um, what do you tell I them would, when they get into it? Yeah. I tell them uh, research your first steps to be a paranormal investigation should be a year after you've researched, Yeah, you know, at least a year because like anything, you know, well, but I watch all the TV shows. Well, I'll tell you what, I've watched every doctor TV show since mash. That doesn't mean I can go in and perform open heart surgery right? I've seen all of these police procedurals. That mean, that doesn't mean I have a license to go out and arrest somebody, right? You, you shouldn't just do it because you've seen it on TV, get a feeling and understanding for what happens. But Dave, isn't that, isn't that kind of how you got started? Sure. Sure is. But this is what I've learned. What (laughs) I've learned is I should have learned more about research. I should have learned more about the history of the locations, the spirits that I might be encountering, Uh, And then showing more respect, you know, I mean, that's the one thing I've had going for me since I started Uh, when I was in 2006 and I was in Atlanta, Georgia, I was invited to a ghost hunt with these uh, Atlanteans, uh, you know, from Atlanta. And Mm -hmm. they took me into this old Southern 
mansion that had been overrun by the Yankees at one point during the Civil War, kind of oh, wow. tossed the family out. And, you know, I go in this house and they're, what's your name? Why are you here? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, well, first of all, we're, we're looking at this completely wrong. You're talking to me like my ghost is from the same year. We're talking to ghosts that are 100 or 200 years old. And there was respect. You asked permission to enter somebody's home. Yeah. You came politely. So I, they were getting no responses. And I, I turned it around that night and I just said, let's try it this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Mr. Abramson, thank you so much for allowing us into your home. I can understand why you'd want to stay here. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. But I also want to know why, why do you stay here? Isn't there something better or a better place you can go? Because we all want to know really, why do ghosts stay? So I try to engage the spirit that way. And then we started getting responses when I showed respect and kindness and authority. And I figured, how would I want my mom, my dad, my grandpa, my grandma, my children spoken to if they were spirits? I wouldn't tolerate people coming in and going, tell me your name. Why are you here? Turn on this light. Get up on this. So yeah, I, I try to show the respect to them. And my goal is, and I try to make this covenant with the spirits that if you will open up to me, I will do my best to tell your story and share it. So if you feel like you're angry and upset and you're throwing things around this house because, damn it, it's just frustrating to be dead and nobody can hear or see you. Why? Well, I'm here. And we're hearing you. So what do you want? You know, sometimes it's just remember. All right, remember. That's that's a great point. So we're yeah. going to remember you, Bob. And I'm going to tell the family who is here. And they're going to refer to you as Bob going forward. And But you need to settle down. You're frightening this family. You're, you're doing these things. And I try to take that approach like you're talking to a friend. And I find that I get I get really good results and really... Good interactions. And I've been knocked on my ass a couple of times and I've been terrified in the moment, but I don't let the fear control me. I don't let that define who I am as an investigator. And once I collect myself, I go back in and I go, all right, you got my attention. Now let's do it in a more civil way. Right. It's real easy to yell and scream and push me around, but we've got nowhere other than the fact that, okay, you can yell and scream and push me around. But what's the end result? And this, you know, the spirit just wants to be remembered for the truth of the story, not what's been propagated ever since. So that's kind of the difference for me is just learn to research, learn the history. Even if you don't know specifically whose ghost is there, knowing the time era, the way that they were treated and spoken to, the respect you should show to these people. If you're a woman and you're in a, in a you know, 18th century, 19th century home, you may need to ask permission to speak. And, sure. you know, we've got all these woke people that are, I'm just going to ask permission. To be... Well, then don't expect to be responded to. If these spirits are truly the spirits of that era, like it or not, you kind of got to fit into their way and ask, per... you know, I, I would really like to speak. I would like to ask permission to speak if that's okay. And, you know, I've asked go straight up. If you just don't want me here, if this is a problem, just tell me to leave and I will leave. And I've got EVP where the ghost very clearly goes, yeah, get out. Yeah. Okay. Then I go. And then you leave. Yeah. I might come back another time and say, I'm back now. I, I, I did, as I said, I would leave, but you know, I really like to take this to the next step and talk a little bit more, you know, why do you want people gone? Are you upset that they're in your home? Is there something specifically bothering you about this? Are you just mad that they're not acknowledging that you're here? And sometimes just trying to get to those answers and showing the respect and, and uh, proper courtesy to these spirits, I think is a big deal. So that to my, you know, educate yourself, read books. I've got a book called uh, The Other Side, A Guide to Ghost Hunt and the Paranormal. And it's not the end all be all. It's an easy to read booklet that kind of goes over a lot of the, the basics. And you should at least have a grasp of the basics before you jump in, right? Because yeah. it's, it can be dangerous and you can engage things that, you, that are out of your control. So you should really know what those probabilities are, the possibilities are, and also learn not to jump at everything. Because, you know, 
it, it may not be evil just because you heard it growl or it pulled your hair. Maybe that's the only way it could get your attention. Right. Yes, that's very true. And I love that you talk about knowing the history when you go into a place, because first of all, history is so fascinating anyway, at least Agreed. I think so. And, mm -hmm. and when you go into some of these really historic places like Waverly Hills or um, Penhurst or, you know, I'm actually going to the Stanley in July. I wanted to pick your brain about that in a second. Um, the history is just so incredibly fascinating anyway. Mm -hmm. So why not kind of do a little bit of a deep dive before you go there? And yet, like you said, but better educate yourself, know what you're walking into and not mm -hmm. every growl or every scary moment means that it's something demonic or something negative. Like you said, they're just trying to get your attention sometimes. So and on that, knowing, I wanted knowing the spirit too. Like if I know there's a child spirit reported in this place, if I want to communicate with it, I'll sit down on the floor like you would with a child. Mm -hmm. You tower over children, they hide their heads, they bury their heads into their mom's laps or into the couch. Sometimes by getting lower than them or on the same level gives them an even playing field. And then I'll, I'll sit down and I'll just talk, not baby talk, but you know. Roger, I hear that you're still here. And, you know, is, are you sad being alone? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, would you like me to leave out some candy or a toy? You know, do you want me to do a prayer for you? It's just try to be kind and, and show empathy towards these spirits. And I've felt things hold my hand. I've felt things sit on my lap. Uh, so I think that, you know, taking that kind of approach, that's another reason why it's important to know what the stories are in the location and giving reverence to that. That's a really good point, especially when it comes to children's ghosts, which is so heartbreaking, but also can be so beautiful. Like you had described mm -hmm. when you feel them sit in your lap or hold your hand. Now, another thing I wanted to ask you um, regarding the ghost hunting is what, well, okay. A couple of things. First of all, when you we're talking to spirits in different locations and asking about why are they still earthbound? What do you find mm -hmm. is the most common answer? Is it, is it really as simple as wanting to be remembered and wanting to make sure that the story is told correctly or is it fear or maybe something else? I think it's a mixture. You know, there are some spirits that who amongst us, you, me, or anybody listening right now, isn't a little afraid that we've done some stuff in our yeah. past, you know, that we're, we're going to have to answer for that. And nobody likes that. Nobody wants to get caught. That's why we lie. When our parents ask us, did you eat the last Twinkies? No, <laughs> but you have Twinkie frosting all over your mouth. No, wasn't me. Right? It's right. It's it, we don't want to own up to our mistakes and we certainly don't want to face the Piper. So I think a lot of it is, and especially when you consider the era of ghosts, we, we seem to come across there late 1800s to the early 1900s. So things would have been a lot more provincial, a lot more church-going families, a lot more brought up on religion and fear-based religion, where oh, I'm going to hell. I lied. I swore. I took the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. I'm going to hell, and I don't want to go to hell. I'd rather just stay here as a ghost and watch over things than go to hell. Um, you know, and I, I think that's part of it. I also, you know, I I, I think that a lot of what we leave behind are fragments of who we are, that that soul that's here is Dave Schrader, but it's only this much of him, you know, just a very small portion. And maybe it's that base animal version of what's left behind. That's why it's banging the walls and playing with the lights. And it's just the most base instinct of trying to communicate. It, it, it doesn't have full thought or full, possession of all faculties to be able to cohesively and coherently speak to us. Um, I don't know, you know, I mean, you just try to find what makes sense and how you can read what they're saying or doing. A lot of it is guesswork. It's, you know, when I was in Ghost of Devil's Perch and we kind of confronted the one, the, the big ghost who we kind of feel was orchestrating a lot of this. Once I calmed down and I, I'm like, no, you don't have to do this. You don't have to terrorize people to get your point across. What do you want? What what can I do? And and the EVP, all I got back was remember. Wow. So to me, it was like, boy, you know what? It's up for interpretation. But here's a guy who busted his back 
in blood, sweat, and tears for this town of Butte, Montana. And all of these rich guys that had the money to build and take over, they all excelled. And when you talk about the town, you hear about the copper barons and the copper kings, but you don't hear about the little guys who, who died to make that city a reality. And here was a guy that was forgotten and, and stomped into the dirt by the rich and the powerful. Mm-hmm. Like many of the ghosts we, we, you know, interacted with in Butte, they were ghosts of, of spirits that maybe were spoken about ill, right? Look, a celebrity dies where everybody's like, oh, probably a drug overdose, right? We often jump to the worst possible scenario. And do you really want that being hung on your shoulder? You know, they, they say that we, we go through three deaths. There's the death of the body. There's that moment we're put into the ground. And then the final death is the last time somebody says our name. Yeah. Right? The last time we're remembered or spoken about. Well, boy, imagine some of these ghosts have been talked about for 200 years in not a flattering light. And how frustrating that must be that you are remembered for all the wrong things or things right. that you didn't do. I'm not the, I'm not the culmination of this one event you know the the conference house that we went to in new york it's amazing it's this old house and it's called the conference house because benjamin franklin and his two associates and i think aaron burr might have been one of them and i can't remember the other name off the top of my head that's the sadness of it right we don't even remember the important elements there they went to that house for i think a period of two and a half to three hours to negotiate with the king's men and the king's men were trying to bribe Franklin and America to just give up and let Britain have its reign. And Franklin stood up and said, no, we're America and we will fight to the, to the death. We're not going to turn it over. And he did it in a respectful way. He was, but he told them it's not going to work that way and sent them on their way. And that, that house still exists simply because that two and a half hour meeting took place there. But there were so many other stories, like the indigenous tribes that were brutally slaughtered on that property after being promised things, being pulled apart from their wives and children as the wives and children are put to death, and then the men are forced to work. Uh, Mm -hmm. That story was forgotten. You don't think about that story when you think of the conference house. You think of Benjamin Franklin standing up for America. You're right. Had those indigenous tribes, you know had everything that had happened there not happened there, that moment might not have happened either. So it's, you know, knowing these things, understanding these things, coming into, you know, concert with these things so that you can um, communicate in a more effective manner. Well, that's where we should all be. I love that. I really, really love that. That's so well put too. What would you say the general public generally gets incorrect about about paranormal investigation is there anything that you'd want to set the record straight about okay for well you mean televised paranormal investigations yeah i suppose i mean that's Mm -hmm. i think what you're most known for sure um you know well even like i had people come to joliet state prison to investigate with me that's not how we do a full investigation that's just we're there for entertainment purposes and hoping that a spirit's going to make itself known and You've come to see Dave and Shane, who you love on TV, in a haunted environment and hear the history, and maybe we'll encounter some some energy, an EVP or ghosts or shadow figures, but it's not how we would really do an investigation. And on TV, um, those investigations you see are not really how an investigation is done. It is part of the investigation, but as I remind people, we film there for five days. We film 12 to 14 hours a day. So not great at the math, but, you know, 12 times five is what, 60 hours of footage alone. It's a lot. And that, yeah. And then you've got to pare that down to 42 minutes. That's insane. Is all that's going to appear on your screen. So we really kind of hit the highlights. Mm-hmm. And, and for those of you that are like, well, you know, there are those of us out here who would like to see the whole thing. And on, no, you wouldn't. You say that until we show an episode where we would show you the whole thing and how flipping boring setup is <laughs> and how, how often we sit there. Now, remember, you see all that evidence we capture and people are like, oh, my God, that episode was off the hook. It was off the hook for about three seconds of a 42 minute deal in three seconds span. We caught that image. Mm-hmm. We caught that audio and we saw the shadow walk by. 
That's all. That all of that boiled down to came to three seconds. So I want people to remember that it's a much longer, more boring process. And I get people that'll come to these events with me and we get an hour in one section and they're like, nothing happened. This sucks. <laughs> you guys must fake it on TV. And we're like, no, you were here for an hour. Yeah. Ghosts don't always show up on demand. You, you hope they will. So I would, you know, patience. I hope people will learn that and realize that what they see is 60 hours condensed down to 42 minutes. Um, and trying to pick out just the most interesting and beneficial part of that 42 minutes that will be entertaining to all, mm-hmm. um, you know, and everybody's got a different way of doing it. And I'm not going to belittle my brothers and sisters on different shows because they do it differently than I do. Sure. Um, and I've, I've taken heat from people on other shows. I've taken heat from the fans because I do this differently or do that. And I'm like, but it's Okay. No, I didn't do it like Jason Hawes or like Zach did, but that's okay because you really just want to watch another show where a guy acts like Zach or acts like Jason. They're already doing that. Let them be Jason and Zach. Yeah. I'm Dave. Yeah. This is what I bring to the story. This is what yeah. I, and, and that's not to belittle either one of them. It's just the saying everybody bitches and moans about the fact that it's just all cookie cutter. Every show is the same because when they've tried to experiment with shows outside that realm people get real crabby about it and they really want it to kind of end up being like ghost hunters or ghost adventures sure. which then limits what the new product can be for the audience um so it's you know there's a lot of that behind the scenes stuff that people forget about uh and i just show kindness too i think the other thing is people are so rude you watch these tv shows and listen if you don't like the way I ghost hunt, that's okay. If you can't stand my voice, that's fine. If you can't, but why is this guy on TV? He's fat and old. Right? That's not <laughs> what I want to see. And you're like, okay, but did I get results? Yeah. Did I get the EVP? Did I, did I make communication? Did I help cross that spirit over? And the hate is not as strong. I, I haven't felt for me as I have watched it show up on other shows, but it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, show some kindness and, and things that I can change, you know, not, not that I'm fat and old and gray, you know, if you don't like that, I'm bullying the ghost, that's something that I can change. If you don't like that, uh, I only like to do EVP and you'd really like to see me try more equipment. I can do that. And that's something I can change and that's okay too. But, but when your basic criticism is he's old and fat, why is he on TV? She's young and skinny. Why is she on TV? She's old and dumpy and on TV and, oh, she's pretty. So she must have earned her way onto that show or she's dumpy. How did she get on that show? Yeah. It's not fair. Vile to one another, right? It's just like, what does it matter? Watch a show if you like it. If you don't, don't watch it. Right. You know, absolutely. Although it is the haters that keep us on TV. The haters tune in to hate watch us. They love to watch us and hate every minute of the show and bitch about it to everybody they can. That's so I love it because that keeps, no, it keeps you on the air. Let the haters keep (laughs) hating because as long as they're watching, I've got a job to do. And I guess that was a problem with, with the Holzer files. People loved it. There wasn't enough hate for it. Holzer files was really interesting. I loved that. um, Well, First of all, I need to be honest, I was not aware of Hans Holzer until probably about a year, year and a half ago. So mm-hmm. I've had some catching up to do, but Holzer Files was really interesting. I loved how you and Cindy and Shane would do, the, I mean, like you said before, do the research. It's so imperative. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, you have Hans Holzer's original documents and all the research that he did and the mediums that he worked with and his evidence. And you're essentially going back reinvestigating and seeing what matches up or maybe what's changed, what's new, what's different. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. like you said, for the haters, who cares, but I think how I'm sorry, Holzer files was fantastic. And it's, thank you. It's it's too bad. There wasn't more seasons, but it was very enjoyable for us. I think that the, the network and the production company got too affixed to the name Holzer, hoping that there would be a bigger draw and they'd forgotten that you know holzer did pass away in the 2000s i think around 2008 Uh, i was the last radio show that he ever did um that was my kind of connection to him and in my book we dedicated to dr hans holzer because he had just passed away so there was you know this connection already built in for me with holzer but a lot of people don't know who hans holzer was 
their introduction to the paranormal was Jason and Grant or Yvette Fielding from Most Haunted or, you know, Chris Fleming and Gail Porter from Dead Famous or, you know, the kids from Paranormal State or Ghost Adventures. And they they put in no real effort to look into the forefathers and, and mothers of the field that founded this. You know, you say Harry Price, and a lot of people are like, I don't know, is he, is he the guy right. that created the prices, right? Nope. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> seriously? Not even close. <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize that the author of Sherlock Holmes, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, investigated claims of the paranormal, as did Harry Houdini. So there's this great rich texture of a past that many people don't know anything about. I think had they called our show Holzer's Ghost Files, people would have focused on the ghost files aspect. And then we would have had a chance to teach him about Hans Holzer. To get some Uh, momentum. Yeah, it would have been the spoonful of sugar, right? Is the ghost files, is the sugar. Holzer is the medicine that's going to go down and make you better for knowing these stories. So I think they regret that they didn't name it Holzer's Ghost Files as well. And I believe when it played over in England, they changed it on their channel. They called it Holzer's Ghost Files. So, uh, yeah, you know, so we've we've got a a, people love us around the world and love the show, but it was a little too late. And by the time they had canceled it, you know, we were already put on to Ghost to Devil's Perch and got a chance to film that. Um, We haven't heard back. There's not been an official cancellation of it, but there's been all of this stuff going on with the merger with Discovery and Warner Brothers and HBO. Uh-huh. And they put a lot of the shows on on hiatus. And if we go back to filming, it might be around next year, 2024, I would guess. Or maybe just another opportunity will arise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you have plenty of other tricks up your sleeve. Um, one thing I wanted, well, first of all, when you were talking about how there's a lot of haters that watch the show People mm-hmm. like, well, my daughter included, she's 15. She likes Zach because of the tight shirts. Um, but I think one thing that you- Funny, when I wear tight shirts, they just say, hey, fat guy, put on a looser shirt. I don't see the same love Zach does. I don't understand that. I'm wearing a black tight shirt and people go nuts for him. You know, I'll, I'll have to dig a little deeper with her on that. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll ask her about that. He, he um, brings just the six pack. I got the whole keg. You got the whole keg. I know he doesn't love a whole keg. That's so funny. (laughs) Um, But I think one thing that you bring that is unique is you bring a real sense of I, what I would call humanity because you have a deep care for people um, living and deceased. And I think that really comes across in your podcast, the paranormal 60, which I'm a huge fan of. And it also comes across in Holzer files, ghost of devil's perch, I think that is one thing that is definitely unique to Dave Schrader. Yes, there's other um, paranormal investigators on television that come at it from a similar angle, but I think you really are very good at opening up the humanity and reminding people that the deceased, yes, they're in a different plane, different realm, whatever you want to call it, however you want to look at it, but they're still human spirits. They still have human emotions, including anger, fear, sadness. And that's something I come across a lot in my mediumship work. So I think, you know, I know you said that the haters are sometimes great and fun and they keep you on the air, but there is definitely something unique with what I see you do. And I think we need more of that. As you know, this podcast focuses on the positive side of the paranormal Mm -hmm. and supernatural Um, It's not to say that the negative or the scary things don't exist because they do, but Mm -hmm. it's very, um, I think, important to find whatever the positive spin is on that. So I wanted to ask you if you could share one or two positive stories that you've encountered, either when you're out investigating or personal stories at home or whatever you'd like to share. You know, when we were filming, uh, in the first season of the Holzer files, there was a case that we were doing with Lottie Peck, this little girl who had burned to death in the attic of her home. And she was probably a special needs child. And she was hidden away. You know, she was a shame uh, to her family that kind of broke my heart. And then, then across the way in another home was a relative of theirs. And it was a, a young man who, ended up becoming um, 
kind of an invalid and damaged and, and unable to, you know, according to the time, be a real man. And he was also kind of shunned and treated poorly. And there was this one moment that was really remarkable. I think they show a clip of it on the special when they did like these relooks at the Holzer files. And they allowed us to kind of do like the pop-up videos where we'd come on and mention something and they'd show an extra clip. But it was at one point when Cindy was kind of, we, were, we weren't even really filming, filming. The cameras were rolling and we were there, but Cindy's like, the, the mother is so upset. She's so sad. And we were standing there and there's a stairways, this door to a stairway that go up to the attic. And I just looked up and I said, we're going to get your, your son's story straight. We're going to fix this. We're going to make the world know the real story. And all of a sudden, as clear as day, you heard this woman's voice start sobbing, just this, just this release cry. And it freaked the living hell out of the three of us because it was so loud, right there with us, so loud. And it was, to me, that was this beautiful moment of we broke through. She, I think the mother stayed here hoping to convince her son to come with her you know, to, to make this kind of connection. And I think he felt shame and didn't. And, and now, you know, we told her we're there to try to help. And just like any mother or parent, she kind of collapsed into that. Thank God somebody's hearing us. Somebody's doing something. So to me, that was a really beautiful moment. Um, you know, when I did the Franklin Castle episode, there was this really weird correlation between my own daughter who I'd almost lost two years prior to complications of diabetes and this little girl who passed away a hundred and some years ago from complications of diabetes. And I think it helped us strengthen the bond to be able to communicate with this little girl's ghost that only communicated with children. And we found a way to, to connect with her and try to help shut down all the other things that had gone on in that home. And that one really left me with a, a sense of pride that we, we, we told a good story. We had a, a, an amazing connection. And I hope as a father that we were able to bring that family back together in some way by telling the truth, by putting out the truth and allowing the world to know what really happened, not what's been lied about for all of these years. Yeah. So those have been some happy moments for me. I mean, we've had some you know, I've had, like I said, I've felt ghosts hold my hand. I felt go, go sit on my lap. And I feel like there are these moments when you just make this connection and, you know, and in my personal life, my grandmother visited me when I was a baby. She, I believe was there at the birth of my first son, uh, made her presence known very clearly to me and my mom and aunt. Um, I had a dream visitation with my grandfather after he passed and I was able to bring back information I didn't know before. So those were happy moments for me to have and, you know, that I can really hold on to. But, you know, a a lot of, a lot of this is just how you perceive it and what you bring to the table. And if you walk in a place of fear, I think you're going to have more problems. I try to walk in a place of, of openness and wonder as opposed to fear. It doesn't mean I don't get unnerved. doesn't mean there aren't times I'm like, I want to go home. This is too much, but that's when you have to, you know, measure up and say, okay, but I'm here. I came here for this. Now that I'm finding it, I can't just run out. I've got to, I got to confront my fear and confront the fears of the spirit. And and help them if you can. Yeah. Can we, can we answer their questions? Can we help them out? It's not just about move this to show me your hair, move that, you know, bang on the walls. It's about what can we do to help? And I think between Cindy and Shane and myself and Cindy and KD and myself on Devil's Perch, I think we did an admirable job of at least trying. Oh, absolutely. One thing on that note, I wanted to ask you now as a medium, I've learned from spirit how important forgiveness and compassion is while living here on earth before we pass. What have you learned from the spirits or ghosts that you've encountered about living listen regret 
anger, frustration, hatred is a cancer that will eat you alive physically and spiritually. And a lot of us were hurt by things in our life, things that we don't think we can let go of. You don't have to forgive the person per se that hurt you, but you can forgive yourself for having gone through it. You can move on and elect to push past it. And, you know, I know there's people that say, well, that's easy to say. You didn't have this happen to you, or you didn't have that happen to you. You know, none of us know what the other one has walked through, right? I, I can, I, in all honesty, I was physically and mentally abused for years as a child, not from my own family, but from people around me. I was beat up mercilessly at school. I was bullied constantly. Um, so I may not know exactly what you went through with your issues, but I had my own issues and I had my own pain and my own suffering that have been a part of me, but I can hold those and let them kill me, or I can let them down and try to move forward. I still have down days and I deal with depression and anxiety all the time, but I don't let it rule who I am. Right. I don't allow it to take that control. So, you know, Tammy Faye Baker tells an interesting story when she, Jerry Falwell was trying to bring them down. Uh, and was it Pat Robertson? I, I, maybe it was Pat Robertson. She said from the Bible, what they used to do is if, if you killed somebody, sometimes they would lash that person to your back and you had to carry them with you. And basically you absorbed them as they decayed and it ate into you. And she said, by carrying this man around on her shoulders and giving him that power over her, she was decaying with him and she needed to let that go. And man, that was such a powerful imagery to me. Yeah. And it really hung heavy in my head and in my heart. And I thought, how many days have I wasted allowing this hatred or anger or resentment? You know, I still have anger and resentment towards some people, but I try not to let that be the defining moment. Um, and I, I'm still working on trying to get over that. It's not just Dave's perfection and I can snap my fingers and not worry about it anymore. It's still there. But what's more important to me is I want to lead as good a life as I can, help make other people's you know, lives as good as I can. You know, I, I got this weird paradox with my mom. I miss my mom. She was my best friend. I lost her seven years ago. It sucks. But there's also this big part of me that doesn't hurt, a big part, because there was never anything left unsaid. Truthfully, I would love for people to put mediums out of business, and not because I have disdain for you as a medium, but if you said the things in your heart and you forgave yeah. and you talked in open dialogues, you, you wouldn't need a medium to try to do that for you in death, right? So I tried to lay it all out on the line with my mom. She did the same with me. So when she left, I know I was mourning for my loss, not for her. She's in a better place. I, I, I was so mad when she died because, you know, she, she didn't get to, she just retired. She didn't get to travel with my dad. She didn't get to finally live that life and do all these things. And then I was reminded, but Dave, she loved being a nurse. Every day of her life, she loved being a nurse. She found the love of her life. My, my dad, she traveled the world with my dad. She got to see all these things when she was in her prime and could enjoy them. And she did it all. So I could release that anger and frustration that she didn't get to do the rest because I was reminded of what she did get to do. And if we live in a place of trying to get past regret and anger and frustration, we can have such a wonderful life and we can show others by example how to have that life as well. And that, you know, I think that's my takeaway from the paranormal is I probably have spent more time in the last 18 years focused on death than I do on living, which is in a sense, it's been a passion and an interest, but I also, you know, there's, it's robbed me of some of my life experiences in the sense that I was so focused on what comes next that I wasn't enjoying what was here right now. <laughs> and my kids are now all adults, you know, basically I've only got a few that are left in high school and then they're out to the winds, like seeds, you know, blown from the trees in a storm. And soon this big old house that I bought is going to be just my wife and I knocking around with a couple of cats and a dumb dog. Right. And, <laughs> and so parts of me 
regret that I missed so much of that doing what I did. But I also hear from my kids how they think it's really awesome that I got to live my dream and I got to do the things that I loved. And that inspires them to do the same thing. So I've got to focus on that more than what I missed. So few people get that opportunity to work Mm -hmm. doing what they love. And really it's not work because you love it. Mm-hmm. Now, Dave, you've been really open about your struggles in the past um, with depression. I lost someone very special to me many years ago to suicide. And I just wanted to ask, because you've been so open about your own personal struggles, for anyone that might be listening today, what would you say to them if they are currently struggling, you know, really in a dark place? I know that you've pulled yourself out of that what advice or what helpful information do you have for someone in that situation? My saving grace came in the lyrics of a song sung by Bruce Springsteen, right? I was feeling so alone, so broken, so unhappy with who I was. And nobody's ever felt like that before. I'm the only person in the world having me feelings. And as I was sitting there dejected in my dark spot, listening to the radio, I started to hear the song for the third or fourth time in a row on the radio on different channels as I'm spinning the dial. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I start to hear the words and this guy is saying, you know, I, I, I look at myself in the mirror, I can't stand my clothes, my hair, my face. And I'm like, that's me. You know, this place is eating me up alive. That's me. You can't do this. And then it ends with, you can't start a fire sitting around crying with a broken heart. You can't start a fire worrying about your little world falling apart. And all of a sudden, I wasn't alone in the world. I wasn't me. I was part of a bigger picture. Yeah. And somebody else had felt these feelings and survived and was a massive rock star, right? And loved and, and beloved around the world. And I've shared my story, not looking for accolades, but to help people understand that they're not alone, that maybe in some small way, I can be the Bruce Springsteen to them, that they can hear this 55-year-old man say that when he was 16, 17 years old, he was going to end his life, and it didn't work out, and he's alive and made it through and has 11 wonderful children, eight amazing grandchildren, and lives a life that he's built. and. If I can do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And depression is an evil trick that the brain plays on the heart. And we allow it to. We all fall down. We all get knocked to the ground, right? But that's what happened to us as children. Did we just lay down and stop trying to walk? Right. No. We stood back up, we wobbled, we took a couple more steps, we fell down, we pushed ourselves back up, we took a couple more steps, and before we knew it, we were running around the house. That's what it takes, that momentum of getting back up, brushing yourself off and going, all right, that didn't define me, that hurt, it sucked, look at me, I look like an idiot flopping around on the ground, but I'm back up, and I, I just want people to know that they're not alone, and even those of you right now that are listening to this, that you feel your family's all gone now, your friends are all gone, you're at an age where you don't have anybody, there's nobody that will listen, there's nobody, there are, there are lines and numbers you can call, and you're not weak for making that phone call, you're strong. It's not a sign of weakness to say, I need help. It's not a sign of weakness to say, I've hit my limit. Right. It's, it's a strength in knowing your boundaries. And that's okay. I trust me, it's okay to say, I can't do this anymore on my own. I just need somebody to hold my hand and just somebody to listen and be there. Yeah, it's absolutely okay to ask for help. And one thing I wanted Mm -hmm. to mention um, is Suicide Awareness Voices of Education located in Bloomington. I've done fundraising for them in the past. You can find them at save.org. If you or anyone you know has suicidal thoughts, tendencies. Um, They're a wonderful organization. Yes, they're located here in Minnesota, but they serve the entire country. So I wanted to definitely put that out there. Dave, I have one more question. I was hoping that you would share your fat thighs story. Now I have to say, (laughs) of all the EVP stories I've heard from you, Amy Bruni, 
um, Zach Bagans, all the other paranormal investigators. I have to say Fat Thighs is probably my favorite EVP story. So I was hoping you'd share it. Sure. So uh, the Ovilus creator, Bill Chappell, had created this tool called the Ovilus. And it was uh, an electronic voice box. And it's loaded with, okay, I think there was over like 2,000 words. And each word has an energetic signature. And there is a, uh, a program written into this. It's not supposed to repeat itself, right? So it can't say fire, 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 fire. Yeah. It has to, you know, it could say it every third or fourth word. So when things start beating the system, it's interesting. And I got the Ovilus. It was sent to me by Bill. He's like, here, here's a gift. Thank you for all you're doing to help me out and promoting and blah, blah, blah. And I don't investigate my home. So I was not going to just flip it on and, you know, uh, start ghost hunting. But I turned it on just to see what would happen. And I put it down and I've got sitting on the couch in my boxer shorts and a t-shirt with my computer and I'm doing some work. And as soon as it fires up, all of a sudden it goes, fat thighs. <laughs> I looked at it and I go, what did I just say? And it goes, fat thighs. And I go, are you trying to say something? Couch, sit, fat thighs. <laughs> and I'm like, well, son of a gun. So I call Bill Chaplin. I'm like, is this a joke? And he goes, well, is what a joke? And I said, I turned it on. I'm sitting on my couch in my boxers with my t-shirt on working. And I, as soon as I turn on, it says, sit, couch, fat, thighs. And he starts laughing. He goes, I don't think I have the word fat or thighs in there. I'm like, what? and all of a sudden he heard it go, fat thighs. And he starts laughing. He goes, it's got to be, maybe it's saying baptize and we're not hearing it properly. So he cued in the word baptize and it's on like baptize, not fat thighs. And so we're sitting there and I'm, and he just kept getting a kick out of it. He was totally tickled by this deal. Well, every tool that we use has, you have your own energetic signature. So you're going to always trip. So people that are like, every time I turn it on, it says ghost dead every time. Well, that's because maybe your energy just trips those two triggers, ghost dead, ghost dead. So you got to kind of let it plane out sure. and then it'll be okay. So it would, you know, it was doing this and I told Bill about it and he'd heard it the one time over the phone, but uh, about four or five months later, we did this big thing called the science fair, PSI science fair at the Queen Mary. And I had people broken up all over the ship investigating. And I had Bill Chapel down in the engine room. And I come walking down there and I'm like, how's it going, Bill? He goes, yeah, it's really slow, man. Nothing's going on down here. And I go, really? He goes, yeah, nothing. I mean, he goes, look at that. And there's like eight ovaluses in a row on the floor. He goes, they're not talking. I've never heard them not say something. And I'm like, oh, so I stood there for a few more minutes waiting and nothing happened. So I struck, I go, all right, well, we gotta, I'm going to go check out the group at the first class pool. And uh, I'll see you later. He goes, okay. And as I start walking, as I pass the ovaluses, fat thighs, fat thighs, fat thighs, fat thighs, fat thighs. And I turned around, <laughs> I go, you son of a bitch. And he started laughing and he goes, it's not me. I go, but you heard it. And everybody just burst into laughter. So uh, apparently my digital signature uh, uh, with the ovalus is fat thighs. So I don't know what the ghost, I don't know what the ghosts are trying to tell me. I don't, I'm going to just pretend I don't know what they're trying to say. You I just bastards. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just love that story. And I love the humor behind it. Well, yeah. Dave, um, I am going to ask you to hang tight after recording, but tell everyone how they can find what you're up to. I know you have other ghost hunts coming up around the country, mm -hmm. outside of the country, other events. So how can people find you on social media? What's your website? All sure. that stuff. You know, the best part is just go to paranormal60.com, paranormal60.com. You'll find all the information about my podcast. It's live Monday and Wednesdays on my YouTube channel. You can subscribe to the audio version anywhere you listen to podcasts. And, uh, you know, I've built a little network there now. So on Mondays, we've got New England Legends. Tuesdays, you get to hear my show, The Paranormal 60. Wednesdays, you get to hear The Searchers podcast. Uh, Thursdays, you get to hear my Paranormal 60 news. Fridays, we've got uh, real ghost stories from Australia. Uh, Anna and Renata do their show. And they talk about ghost stories all over, but they're based in Australia. It's a fun series. But you can find those shows, you can find my social media, you can click on the links to my shop, you can click on the links to my events and see where I'm going to be around the United States and around the world. And there are tickets available for many of these still that are open. So if you want to come ghost hunt with me, or get a chance to come hear me and all of my paranormal pals do talks at, at different conferences, all the tickets, all the information, everything is out there and available at paranormal60.com.
Wonderful. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Thank well, you. Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Please hang tight one second. You got but it. Thank you so much. Stay spooky. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Dave Schrader. It was so fun. He's such a nice guy. I wanted to correct myself. When I asked Dave to share the fat thighs story, I continued to refer to it as an EVP, which it is not. It was not an electric voice phenomena experience. It was an experience, as Dave explained, that occurred through the ovulus, which is a device created by Bill Chappell. And the theory there is that spirits can use the device to manipulate and create words so that they can communicate with us here on earth. So I just wanted to really make that correction. It was not an EVP. EVP experiences are very different than experiences with the ovulus. And um, I just wanted to make sure to correct myself. Thanks again so much for listening. I really appreciate it.